Hello, and welcome to Right Now with Ralph Martin, a podcast where author, speaker, and worldwide renewal leader, Dr. Ralph Martin, shares what the Holy Spirit is stirring up in the church right now. Words of encouragement from the Lord to strengthen you for such a time as this. We are glad you can be with us this week as we seek to encourage you for this moment in history. And now, your host, Ralph Martin. Hello, brothers and sisters. I'd like to share with you today something I read in my little Magnificat. It's what I, I, I use this in prayer time every day, and it's an important part of my prayer time. And I, I meditate on the scripture that's there, the Psalms that's there, the uh, just all, all, the, all the wonderful words from God that are contained in the daily readings for the Magnificat. I was reading recently something from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. And something particularly struck me, I'd like to share it with you today. It says, Remember how for 40 years now the Lord your God has directed all your journeying in the desert so as to test you by affliction and find out whether or not it was your intention to keep his commandments. So that's the phrase that really kind of kind of just stood out to me. Uh, the Lord was allowing afflictions and temptations and tests and difficulties because he wanted to see whether the people he was leading to the promised land really wanted God or not really wanted to love him and serve him, really wanted to be his people. And so the way it's phrased here is pretty significant. It says, so as to test you by affliction and find out whether or not it was your intention to keep his commandments. So what I'd like to suggest today is that we examine our conscience, you might put it, examine our heart, examine our mind, and say, do we really intend to keep the commandments of the Lord? Do we intend it in a conscious, explicit, intentional way? Because that's what the Lord's looking for. He's looking for us to come to the point of decision that I intend to keep the commandments. Now, there's a challenge to the commandments. The, cha- the, the commandments spell out uh, part of what it really means to live a holy life. And of course, the Lord says, be holy because I am holy. You know, we we read that so many places in the scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, and the book of Leviticus chapter 19, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the whole assembly of the children of Israel and tell them, be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, this is quite a, quite a command absolutely impossible to fulfill without the grace of God. And that's why in the New Testament it says the law was given, the Ten Commandments were given, not because the Lord thought that people could live them perfectly, uh, although even then people could live them by his grace, but because a new law was coming, the law of the new covenant, Jesus Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit. St. Thomas Aquinas says the law of the new covenant is the grace of the Holy Spirit. So now we have the grace of the Holy Spirit. 
that really will enable us to grow in holiness, to grow in fidelity in keeping the Ten Commandments. Now, what does the church actually say to us about the status of the Ten Commandments for Christians today? It says in section 2772 of the Catechism, since the Ten Commandments express man's fundamental duties toward God and towards his neighbor, the Ten Commandments reveal in their primordial content grave obligation. This is a very serious word from the Lord, the Ten Commandments. They are fundamentally immutable, and they oblige always and everywhere. No one can dispense from them. The Ten Commandments are engraved by God in the human heart. The Ten Commandments spell out what it means to love God with our whole heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourself. So let's take a look at these Ten Commandments. There's a, a wonderful description uh, in the Catechism. It's uh, page four, it's part three, Life in Christ. It's page 496 in my edition. It's uh, 20, just, just between 2051 and 2052, there's a chart. And it kind of shows how the Ten Commandments are spoken about in Exodus chapter 20, how they're spoken about in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And then it talks about that since the time of St. Augustine, how the Catholic Church has kind of summarized them in a particular formula. And this is why we sometimes have different numberings of the Ten Commandments between Catholics and Protestants and Orthodox, but they all receive the Ten Commandments as truly Ten Commandments and really important as a way of understanding how to shape our love for God and love for neighbor. So here's how the church has, has expressed the ten, ten Commandments. Commandment number one, I am the Lord your God. You shall not have strange gods before me. Jesus is the Lord. God is God. There's no other real gods. There's no other true gods. And idolatry, falling away from the worship of the one true God, is gravely wrong. It's one of the things that brought down the, the gravest of punishments, the most severe of punishments on God's people when they worshiped the gods and the nations around them. And we're very tempted these days to uh, worship the gods of the nations around us and whatever that may be in their uh, apostasy from their faith. Commandment number two, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, as we grow in the Christian life, if we hear somebody using the name of the Lord in vain, there's something that should hurt our soul. There's something that we should cringe about. That we, we just know that God is holy and we should never dishonor him by using his name in vain, by cursing or swearing or the terrible things that people sometimes say when they use the name of the Lord in a way that isn't filled with reverence, filled with respect. So this is pretty important. This is a commandment that we sometimes can take lightly, but it's a grave obligation to speak about the Lord in a respectful way and never to use the name of the Lord in vain. Commandment number three, 
remember to keep holy the Lord's day. And what that meant is, you know, it goes back to the Lord worked for six days in creating the universe, creating the, the human race. Then on the seventh day, he rested. And he then he gave a commandment for us that on the seventh day, which for us as Christians now is Sunday, rest. Take a break from the multiple obligations of work and, and just be with the Lord. Just let it be a break from the daily grind and uh, worship the Lord on that day. Oh, uh, go to the Holy Eucharist, go to Mass, uh, spend time with friends and family. Uh, just let the land lie fallow so you can be restored and renewed for uh, the coming work week. So this is an area that I've, I'm working on uh, because I travel a lot and because I have a multiplicity of responsibilities, both at the seminary and with renewal ministries. Sometimes if I've been traveling and I get home on a Saturday night uh, or Sunday, uh, I've got to do some stuff to prepare for the next day. Uh, and now I'm just trying as much as possible to do that in a way that doesn't infringe on the Lord's day being a day of rest. And so, uh, it's, it's good. It's important. Sometimes it takes uh, discipline and renunciation not to deal with urgent matters that really don't need to be dealt with until, until the evening of Sunday evening or till Monday. Most people take the Lord's Day or understand it as from Saturday evening until Sunday evening, although you can take it from Sunday morning until Monday morning. There's different ways of doing it, but remember to keep holy the Lord's Day. And we keep holy Lord's Day by refraining from unnecessary servile work that the Lord, uh, that the church has often taught it that way. Now, some of us do need to work on Sunday. And it's terrible how our culture is no longer supporting keeping the Lord's Day holy. I mean, some of us can remember growing up how most of the stores were closed on Sunday. Uh, that the culture supported keeping Sunday as, as, a, as a holy day. And that's no longer the case. You know, the world wants us to buy things and sell things 24 hours a day. And we just got to break with that uh, if we're going to live in a way that the Lord wants us to live. Commandment number four, honor your father and mother. And the expression of this that we find in the scripture says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God gives you. So it, there's a particular blessing attached with honoring your mother and father. Things will go well with you. You'll have a long life in the land. Of course, there's exceptions to that in God's wisdom. This is normally how it happens, but God can work outside of these general promises. But it's really important to honor those who have cooperated through their relationship in bringing us to life. And there's those wonderful words in Sirach that comes around when we have the Feast of the Holy Family about honor your father, do not disdain him, even in his old age, even if he's suffering dementia. Uh, this is a call to love in a particular way, our, our parents, our family. Commandment number five, you shall not kill. This is respect for human life, knowing that it's the Lord 
that gives life. It's the Lord that decides when life should end. Uh, this is applied not just to murder, but to, um, well, certainly the murder of, of, of children in the, in the womb, but it also relates to suicide. Uh, the Catholic Church has always taught that it's a very grave thing to take your own life, that that's, that's taking something that belongs to God into your own hands. And we, we need to know that today, even though it's become overwhelmingly popular to decide that it, nobody who commits suicide is doing anything that they're responsible for, that it's all mental illness. And of course, a lot of it may be mental illness, but we still need to remember that it's a gravely wrong act. And we should never encourage anybody or never give in to a temptation ourselves to commit suicide. It's taking into our own hands something that belongs to God. Commandment number six, you shall not commit adultery. And the church has always understood this to mean that this is safeguarding marriage. God created us male and female for the purpose of a man and woman coming together in a lifelong commitment, open to children and the care of those children. So this, this basically means that any exercise of genital sexuality outside of a holy marriage uh, is gravely wrong and offensive to the Lord. This rules out masturbation and pornography and fornication, adultery, uh, engaging in homosexual activity. We're not talking about temptation or, or orientations. We're talking about doing sexual things that the Lord says is offensive to him and damaging to ourselves. It also includes hate. It, it, uh, it's really, uh, it, it relates to what Jesus says. You've heard it said, love your brother and hate your enemies. And Jesus says, no, I say to you, love your enemies and don't entertain hatred in your heart. So all those things are contained there in the fifth commandment. It, uh, yeah, so in the sixth commandment, okay. Don't commit adultery. We just talked about that. Seventh commandment, you shall not steal. Hey, most people sometimes have the temptation to take something that doesn't belong to them. And we just got to resist that temptation. We got to be intentional. We got to be deciding. I will never give in to the temptations to steal. Stealing is wrong. And depending on who we steal from, depending on the amount, uh, it can be gravely sinful. Any grave violation of any of the Ten Commandments is gravely sinful. There can be lesser violations that are lesser sinful, but not good. Seven. Uh, we just did seven. Eight. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We've got to be intentional about kidding, committing ourselves to never lie. Uh, committing ourselves to tell the truth. Uh, and this is really important because lies, falsehoods, uh, slander, uh, just does so much damage to other people, to relationships, to ourselves, to society. We're living now in a, in a sewer of lies, uh, lying uh, in the kind of cause of our ideology has come to be seen as a virtue. And it's what Lenin said, one of the founders of the Communist Party and one of the main actors in the, in the Communist Revolution, he said, lying in the service of the revolution is a virtue. Once we drift into the end justifying the means, we're really <laughs> departed from the way of the Lord in any of these areas.
commandment number nine, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. This relates to what Jesus said. You've heard us said, don't commit adultery. I say to you, don't welcome lust in your heart for someone. This is about purity of heart. This is about not just refraining from uh, gravely wrong actions, which are, is important to do, but this is about asking the Holy Spirit to heal our heart, to increase in us purity of heart. And that the instant we become tempted by lust or by anything, we immediately reject it because we've become intentional about keeping the Ten Commandments with the grace of God. Commandment number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's goods. Oh, oh, the evil things that people do when they want their neighbor's goods, you know. You know, that, that evil story where that king, uh, Jezebel's husband, Ahaz, I think his name was, as I recall, wanted the vineyard of his neighbor. And so he saw that he got killed so he could take it over. Oh, or, or that horrible sin of King David where he saw Bathsheba kind of, kind of taking a bath and uh, lusted for her and arranged for her husband to be killed. Awful, awful, awful. But the consequences were awful, awful, awful. The baby of that adultery died, but then the punishment is going to be this division, disunity, strife and warfare in your own family. And we see David kind of fleeing for his life from the rebellion of his sons. We see his successor dishonoring him by having intercourse with his wives on the roof of the palace. Yeah, you know, really horrible, horrible stuff. Okay, now, I'm not claiming that it's not challenging to keep the Ten Commandments in their depth and their full meaning. But I am saying that it's a requirement. It's what it means to be holy. It's what it means to love God with our whole heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. This is where it's spelled out. As the Catechism of the Catholic Church says, this is mandatory. This is how it this is how it should be. Uh, this isn't just an Old Testament thing. This is the shape of how a righteous life should be lived. Again, section 2072, since they express man's fundamental duties towards God and towards his neighbor, the Ten Commandments reveal in their primordial content grave obligations. They are fundamentally immutable, and they oblige always and everywhere. No one can dispense from them. The Ten Commandments are engraved by God in the human heart. That's talking about the natural law, that God's kind of built into us a natural instinct for right and wrong. Everybody knows deep down that it's wrong to kill somebody. Everybody knows deep down that it's wrong to uh, take your neighbor's wife. Everybody knows that it's wrong to take something that doesn't belong to you. So it's there, but the Ten Commandments spell them out and they relate them to the holiness of God. Now, Here's where Jesus Christ comes in. Here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. We're commanded to be holy. We're commanded in these Ten Commandments in very specific ways to live our life. As Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. But with him, we can actually live this way. If we stay connected to Jesus... He's going to prune us. He's going to test us. And remember what the test is. The test is to find out whether it's our intention to keep his commandments. And if we 
pass the test, he's going to give us strength to pass stronger tests. We are going to be tested. And the way, a great way of being strengthened to pass the test is to become very intentional about living the Ten Commandments. Because it was God's intention um, so as to test you by affliction and find out whether or not it was your intention to keep his commandments. May the Lord find out that it's our intention to keep his commandments. And that when we fail to keep his commandments, uh, we ask for forgiveness and we ask for grace to do better in the future. And we look for wisdom to uh, avoid the near occasions of sin. We ask for wisdom to uh, strengthen our will. And if it's been a grave violation of the Ten Commandments, of any one of them, we need to go to confession. We need to go to the sacrament of reconciliation. We need to receive the grace of the sacrament that can strengthen us in carrying out our intention to keep the Ten Commandments. So God bless you, brothers and sisters. And I got to tell you, the Lord is is interested in, in knowing whether it's our intention to keep his commandments. May from this day forth, we become very intentional. May we be explicit and specific. May we say to the Lord, Lord, I intend to keep your commandments because you're commanding me to, but help me and give me the grace to do it. Amen. This podcast is brought to you by Renewal Ministries, part of the Renewal Podcast Network. If you are enjoying this podcast, we invite you to help us spread the word by leaving us a rating or review, following or subscribing to this podcast, or sharing on social media. Until next time, this is Right Now with Ralph Martin.